Hi, I'm Diane. I'm Corey. And this is They Call It Church, a podcast about what we call church, what they call church, what God calls church, and everything in between. Hey, Corey. I have a question for you today. Yes. Um, I wanted to know how, uh, being a mom with toddlers, um, how do you feel when the body of Christ gets together to have um, quiet, theology-centered teaching meetings that include your children? Well, I'm pretty sure I would be dropping them off at Grandma's house (laughs) if I was going to a long, quiet, theology-driven, Christ-centered meeting. I love my toddlers. I love to be with them. I don't love to be with them in that setting. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, As a parent of two teenagers, tell me, uh, how do you feel about long, quiet, drawn-out meetings about theology? Um, Well, uh, I would... I don't... I I rather enjoy long discussions about, you know, theology and stuff sometimes, but my kids would rather be on their iPhones. Yeah. Yeah, So, sometimes... And they have endured many. Yes. But I can't say that they have made them very passionate about the Lord. I can see that. They were not the driving force to them having passion in their relationship with God. So, today, we are talking about children and how... They relate to church. Yes. Um, I have two toddlers, a one-year-old and a two-year-old. Yes. And I have, um, well, right now attending with us when we gather with the body, we have a 16-year-old and a 12-year-old. All right. Um, So we can start with our say what? Say what? Okay. Defining our terms. I have two terms to define today. The first is ecclesia. And you've probably heard this word if you're interested in church at all. And um, this word is a Greek word that's translated as assembly or council. Um, The connotation of this word is like a town hall meeting. And an ecclesia gathering, as we talk about it, as as we use it, is when we're gathering as a church body um, in order to uh, seek God for something, to make a decision about right. something. Um, in certain seasons, we have those more regularly than others. Right. And the scriptural uh, reference that pops into my mind when I think about that is the meeting they had in Acts 15. Yes. So you can read that in your own time. And uh... Our second word is koinonia. And fun fact, this was the um, national spelling bee final word. Wow. Um, I don't know how to spell it, but I would have lost that spelling bee, but the student won. Yeah. Wow. Fabulous. I bet he was Christian. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Um, So this word means fellowship. Um, And this would be any type of gathering that you're having um, that doesn't have that ecclesia feel. Right. Just more familial, family type of situation, perhaps. Exactly. I think in Acts, this word is used a lot like when they at eight and they met together in people's homes mm-hmm. and it's just a lot of it was just them getting together and connecting with each other yeah and we shared these two terms because together along with some other things too this is not exclusive they make up body life right and as we're talking about children in the church we're talking about body life as a whole yes um and all the different things that make up what your church is doing yes and i i like to think of the term body life as any time we gather, we give life to the body. So it's it's us gathering together and just sharing life, but sharing that eternal life. Yes, because so, Jesus is life. Yeah, we're sharing, we're sharing our physical life as well, mm-hmm. but we're also like that eternal life and that um, beautiful 
life-giving quality of gathering with other believers. That's really good. So as we're talking about um, children in and the church, um, we are not telling you what to do. I want to make that very clear. Yes. Any group that's gathering needs to seek God about what it is that he wants your church to do in whatever season. Yes. Um, we do have some truths that we have learned through Revelation or just through our experience that definitely come into play when you're trying to navigate this. Yes. One of them is, one of the things the Lord taught me uh, through reading, like, having Revelation, and I want to say, like, Corinthians 12 or 13, you can go back and read it, um, the the value of each member of the body of Christ, and where it talks about those members that are maybe, you know, maybe they are more protected or like you keep them more hidden. Like he's talking about parts of the body, like with modesty and stuff that they are no less valuable in the body of Christ. And in fact, they are so very important. And when I started to realize, um, how important the entire body functioning together, like there's just no unimportant, unimportant parts. So even my one-year-old is important. Yes, for sure. And even perhaps a um, special needs person who might be a member of the body. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. that's important. Yeah, even and, the, they, and, and having those eyes that value them in Christ. That's really good because that valuing them in Christ, I feel like is the key because, you know, I can value my toddler, you know, for any number of reasons. But to actually value him in Christ and what he is bringing to the body of Christ is different. Right. Um, oh, this. Okay. So are, uh, this, are we moving yeah, on to yeah, our next ahead. topic? Okay. Um, culturally, we are very divided generationally. Like that is something that we know is true. And I think that's, it, that's partially why people have such a hard time valuing yes. other members of the body is because we have a divided culture. Yeah. And we've grown up very disconnected yes. from any one that isn't in our peer group. Yeah. You go to school every day with children that are the same age as you. Yes. Um, you grow up, continue to be with people that are the same age as you. And there's nothing right. wrong with connecting with your peers. That's not a problem. Right. But And really we've, we've, we've brought it all the way through seniors that yeah. live in communities with only seniors. And yeah, so it's very, um, much a part of our culture to have everything divided generationally. And that makes it uh, uncomfortable for us to connect with people that are of a different generation. Yes. Um, when I first joined uh, our house church, I was 20 or 21, and everybody else in the church was over 40 or under 12. Um, there might have been a couple in their late 30s, and I think there was one teenager. But um, besides that, I had no peers. And I didn't particularly enjoy um, attending church, but God called me back every week. So I kept going. Um, and that experience forced me to connect with people that were of a different generation. For me, I started with the kids. I've always liked kids. I babysat a lot. Um, and in that situation, I distinctly remember thinking, well, the children are easier to connect with, and they'll yes. probably like me if I go play with them. Right. So that was who I started with. And Isaiah, um, who was, I think, four at the time, he was the only person that I liked at house church for a long time. He was <laughs> the very, only reason you came back. Only Other reason I obedience. came back. <laughs> yes, he was a very sweet kid, and he liked me, and we would hang out. And, yeah. um, and then later on, I remember... Um, 
some a new person came to church and a family invited them over for dinner and they were a peer um, to them. And I remember thinking, oh man, if I were only, you know, 35 and married with children, somebody would invite me over to, for, to dinner. Yeah. But because I'm 21, nobody's inviting me over for dinner. Yeah. And eventually somebody did and, and that was good. But I distinctly remember being discriminated against because yes. of my age. Yeah, definitely. And I was believing this lie that nobody would want to have a relationship with somebody who was older than them. I mean, the generational divide was so ingrained in me that I just believed nobody would want that. And and it's that is a lie. And the truth is most people enjoy having relationships that are varied in ages. Like that's our nature like in Christ is to yes. actually desire that. So, um because yeah, that's Remove those. I had to let Jesus like replace those lies with his truths. And that's what a picture of family is too. Yes. Your family is not everybody the same age. And even though like it might be uncomfortable to overcome it at first, and even if people don't necessarily think they want it, they need it. Yes. And in Christ, they do want it. Yes. Like the whole idea that they don't want it, like even if that's what they project, it's just not true. Mm -hmm. It's not true in Christ. So, and we want to operate out of truths. And I remember the Lord, that's when he gave me that picture, like in your family, you always belong. Whatever stage you're at in your walk with Christ, you belong. And whatever age you're at, you belong. And there's always a place for you in your family. And there's always a place for you in the body of Christ. So that was something important that I needed to operate out of. And then I just stepped out in faith and I started to try to build a connection like with Corey and I just I think I invited you out for like a beef sandwich or something with the kids and you know it was awkward it was like you know um but But it worked it did it worked (laughs) and I honestly today like Corey's one of my absolute best friends closest relationships so yeah totally worth the investment (laughs) and this kind of um tags off of that last point and it's that uh the church is meant to be multi-generational yes so this is something that i'm going to be honest you probably won't experience this at least at first um but if you have a church that's made up of people of all ages um having children as members of the church isn't such a big deal because if you have seniors with grown children if you have adult single people if you have people with teenagers if you have young singles that are not married and you have young families you might end up having two or three young children in your church and and handling two or three young children navigating that as a body yeah with um, like 20 adults with 20 adults it's, it's not so hard right um versus if you have a bunch of young couples in their 30s having children starting a church together you might have 15 young children yeah and navigating a church with 15 young children is different than and seven adults <laughs> right it's different than a church with many adults and fewer children and god designed our churches to be multi-generational and if everything were going ideally um i don't know if we would have so much to say about this because right it would come more naturally. Yeah. Um, but because we have that generational divide that everybody's operating out of, we tend to see churches just being made up of peers. Yeah, very often. And I just want to speak a word to the older generation, which I will lump myself into. So I am, you know, even though I still have kids that are teenagers, um, I totally get that once you're out of toddler life, it can be an adjustment to re-embrace that stage. And I just... 
I just want to just say like, it's really worth it. The body of Christ is our eternal family. And so when toddlers come into our church situation and into our life, really into our relational connections, they are in Christ as valuable as my grandkids. Like it's not like they're different, you know, in, in our eternal family, like this is our eternal family. So seeing them in that same light, Mm -hmm. I just think is like an important thing to open yourself up to God's love for them in that way. And I don't know if that, but I just want to like say like, it's worth it. Like I can understand how an older person, because I, my mom also will attend sometimes and she's been in situations where, you know, we've got 10 little children running, you know, around and she's just kind of sitting there and I'm like, I know, I'm sure it's It's hard hard for her. She lives alone. She's not used to that kind of, um, activity. Right. So I think it's important to validate that it's normal that it's hard. Yes. It's normal that you're like, I'm not used to this. This is uncomfortable. This feels chaotic. Um, at the same time, it's also worth it to overcome that. Yeah. And to seek Christ for what he wants that season and to look like relationally. Yes. So another truth, um, is that relationships amongst the children affect the whole church. Yes. This is something I wish we had been a little more aware of. What was your experience with that? Experience. Uh, well, it, it just, because of the whole generational thing, there was this natural gravitation toward after the meeting time, which everybody insisted that their children be part of, well, we would spend a whole day together on Sunday. So the meeting time would take anywhere from an hour to at the most three hours, you know, <laughs> and by then the kids are ready to go play, but the adults are still like connecting and having fellowship. And what would happen is a whole lot of children would end up unsupervised for long periods of time. And of course, conflict came up mm-hmm. and because it's very difficult to know what really happened when your kids are, you know, in some kind of conflict that you were not there to witness, it was difficult to know how to navigate and work through those issues. And they just really affected the church um, because they were affecting the families. Right. If and yeah. If your child is having a conflict with another child and they don't want to attend church and they don't want to see that kid, that's going to affect your church. Exactly. And that falls into the category of when one part of the body is hurting, yes. the whole body is hurting. Yes. And so we just didn't really get that at first. And so I felt like a lot of issues went unaddressed Yes. and a lot of hurts and a lot of things started to build up and bitterness and, it, you know. We just never were able to like work through that stuff and have conversations about it just because of timing and different directions that people ended up going. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's something I would be way more intentional about in the future is making sure that whatever conflicts are happening amongst any members of the body, that they're not being just sort of shoved aside or like, oh, just forgive and forget. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, these things need to be worked through. I think that's very important. And kind of um, along the same lines with the relationships of children in the church, um, sometimes when you have children of the same age, there's an expectation of them to be best friends. Yes. Um, Or at least friends. And that kind of goes along with the generational divide. Like I remember, you know, being 20 years old, attending church, and somebody else would come that was my age. And I felt like, oh, I need to go talk to them. Oh, we need to be friends because you're my age. 
and that's not necessarily helpful and if you have an eight-year-old and maybe you know they just really clash with some of the other children like they don't need to be friends with the other children in that season necessarily like they don't need to hang out with them during your church meeting. it doesn't need to be forced it doesn't need to be forced exactly and they should be allowed to live in freedom from the expectation yes whatever that looks like i mean and that kind of brings us to our next point, which is the parts of the body, like all need freedom to function according to their needs in whatever season they're in without others, you know, getting offended, hurt, feeling shamed. Yes. You know, everything doesn't have to be the same. Like it's yes. okay to treat the different parts of the body according to their needs. And it, it just may look different. Not every member of the body needs to be part of every single activity. That goes on. Yeah. And I just want to say, like, my upbringing very much instilled that it was very important for my sibling and I to be treated the same. Mm -hmm. Whatever they did for one, they had to do for the other. And I realized, one, it created a lot of entitlement because whatever I saw happening over mm -hmm. there, I'm like, well, where's my piece? You know, and I'm sure that was coming from both sides. But as a parent, like, the Lord's really corrected me and said, you don't need to treat your children the same because they are not the same. Yes. You need to treat them according to their needs. And so, you know, we started to really teach our kids, like, it's not about, don't compare yourselves to each other because I won't treat you the same, but That's I really will good. treat you with the same love, but you have different needs because you're yeah. different people. And different members of the body of Christ are going to have different needs. Yes. And I think like... For example, I have toddlers, we have another member of our body with toddlers, and we might gather to go to like a McDonald's play place or a different type of play place. And the teenagers can be invited, but they aren't going to have so much fun. And to think, hey, everybody needs to go to McDonald's play place to hang yes. out for this fellowship activity, that's just not fair. Um, right. Not everybody has to do that. In the same way, like if you have... Um, a member of the body that needs discipleship or a couple that needs counseling, like they should have the freedom to be counseled and not have everybody need to be invited to these right. discipleship meetings. Um, and that the children don't need to attend these events all the time. Right. Like, yeah, there may be a time period where the topics that are being discussed are just not that helpful to mm -hmm. the young people or that interesting or they're just not what they need right now. Yeah. And in those situations, if Jesus is like, yeah, I want you to meet as adults, like getting a sitter, yeah. great, get a sitter. Meet with the kids after the kids go to bed or whatever it is that your right. your body needs, be open to that. Yeah. And I, I think I want to share at this point, you know, why is it important to even talk about these yes. things? Because people have very strong opinions and ideas about family and about what's important for the children and what children need. And anytime you have really strong values and opinions on something, it can cloud your ability to hear Christ yes. on those things. So we did run into situations where, you know, we felt the Lord leading like, Hey, the adults here, we've got some problems going on that we need to actually like work through and connect on. And it might be better to not have the kids there. And other members of the body were offended that yes. their children and we're not, wouldn't be, you know, included and in that. Right. And, and it, we're not talking about like a couple of 10 year olds. I think it was like 15 kids under eight. Yes. <laughs> um, right. And working out a complex between adults with 15 kids under eight. Right. It just doesn't work. Well, it leaves them unattended for yeah. long periods of time, which we were having issues with. So, um, 
you know, your beliefs about family integrated church and mm-hmm. your rejections of things from the institutional church, like all those things, like they're real, Yeah. but they might cloud the ability to hear Jesus. And that's why we need one another. And it's a great opportunity to come under the headship of Christ yep. and decide for that season together, Jesus, what is your desire for us in this season? Mm-hmm. And that's why we're not telling you what to do because your season with your body is going to look totally different than someone else's based on the needs of that body. Absolutely. I think a final truth that we have to share um, is that things don't need to be quiet and serious for God to show up. What? (laughs) That can't be true, Corey. (laughs) I know. We we have this tendency, like, okay, everybody, close your eyes, pray, it's quiet, maybe some worship music playing, and seek God. And that can be fine, and obviously you can hear from God with that. But that doesn't have to happen. Yes. Realistically speaking, when toddlers are in the room, don't close your eyes. <laughs> it's just not good. Exactly. <laughs> oh, and you can pray with your eyes open. Right. And I say, you know, I laugh when I say that, but seriously, you start to pray with the body of Christians, you will see their eyes close and their head goes down. Mm-hmm. And it's just so programmed in them. Like, I purposely Keep don't open. close my eyes. I look around at the body of Christ when I'm praying because I have the ability to connect with Christ and the body with my eyes open. Yeah. I know. And connect with them at the same time. At the same time. It's good. It is so possible. Yeah. Yeah. So. So that's more of a practical tip. Um, just to keep that in mind. Um, if yeah, you are and, gathering together. Yeah. And the other thing is like when I think about Jesus and, you know, he's, he's at these meetings with however many hundreds, thousands of people. And you can't tell me everybody was sitting quietly and all the children had their legs crossed and they were all looking up with, you know, teach me Jesus. Like, it's just, that's just, it just couldn't have been that way. I just don't believe that. Um, so Jesus had the ability to stay focused when there was a lot of activity going on. Absolutely. And I think this kind of, uh, ties into this, that sometimes we have the tendency to think, okay, we're going to have our meeting time and maybe we'll do this in the evenings with no children there or whatever. We're going to have these meetings and they're going to be serious. And this is one when we're going to hear from God. Right. And then, you know, maybe we'll go bowling on a Saturday afternoon, but that's just fellowship. We're not going to hear from God like right. that. Right. But that's not necessarily no, true. No, it's not true at all. God can show up and be bring you revelation yeah. and and build your community and connect and and teach you things in the middle of a bowling alley with all everyone running around and loud music playing just as much as he can in a Absolutely. quiet. Absolutely, and we've had that happen. I remember having just like we were in the backyard, kids were playing everywhere, and you know somebody was sharing a struggle they were having with a relationship, and it just became evident like, wow, you're still really tied to this person. You want to break the soul tie, and they're like. Yeah. And then it was like, boom. And like, you just felt the Holy Spirit come and it was like, took about two minutes and it was like back to kids jumping on the trampoline, you know, exactly powerful. So yeah, Christ is right there. No matter what you're doing, no matter what the season you're in. For sure. So onto our community week, we have some practical ideas to share with you. Um, if you want to attempt to break that generational divide yes. and value all of the members of the body, and if you're used to maybe meeting like only a certain way and you have a hard time of thinking of other things to do, these ideas can can, can help you with that. Yes. Uh, we had this um, uh, retreat one time, and one of the activities on the retreat with all the people that attended, and there were 
uh, young people and older people, and it was to have 15 minutes of fame. So how we played this game, I invented it, taking credit right here. Um, <laughs> how we played this game is that everyone who's present, each person got a turn. Um, they decided what they wanted um, everybody to do for 15 minutes, and it was whatever they needed. Um, so they were kind of like in the center planning a, an activity for 15 minutes. And um, this helped us really get to know each other and to um, engage in each other's interests. And yeah. I mean, it wasn't like forced participation, but there was like, hey, like even though this isn't maybe familiar to you, like just jump in, just do it. Yes. I think everybody did things they wouldn't normally do yes. out of love and belief that the whole body of Christ mattered. Absolutely. So some, like some people ask for prayer and you know, some people don't like to be the center of attention and to like ask for, pray for me for 15 minutes was a big deal for them. Yeah. Um, some people asked to be prophesied over. Yeah. And so everybody got to like hear from God about that person and they just received right. words from the whole body, children, yeah, children adults, included. everybody. Um, some of the kids chose, one of the kids chose tag. So we all played tag so on the playground. So we went to a park playground and played tag. And I think that's where I had the biggest revelation of how much the adults were missing. Yes. By not letting the kids lead some of the activities. Yes. Because how many times have you gone to the park and you let the kids play, but the adults just sit and watch? Yes. It, there was something so beautiful about all of the adults participating. It was a blast. And there's such a connection. Like, I think sometimes you go to the park and I'll tell my husband, like, okay, you go play on yes. the park with the kids. And yes. that's kind of like his sacrifice. He's going to go do it. But when the whole body is doing oh, it together, yeah. it has such a different feeling. It really does. I mean, water balloon fights or, mm -hmm. you know, we have these really soft, squishy balls that we just yes. love smacking each other with. Like, <laughs> right. It's just something so fun. Yeah. <laughs> Learning to dance. You, you had yeah, everybody right. dance. Dance. Country line dancing for 15 minutes. Yeah. We all learned the electric slide. And, you know, it just was a beautiful opportunity to have all of these varied things. Because so many times, like, you know, people aren't willing to participate in things that aren't their favorite. Yes. So that was sort of like the laying down your life mm -hmm. for the love of a brother or sister. And it was just a really successful activity. I think God really spoke to us through it. So that's kind of a community activity that you can try. And then another activity that you can either do just personally in your time with God, or you could also do it as a group activity. And that is asking God to give you his um, eyes for a member of the body of Christ. Very powerful. So the scripture says we regard no one according to the mm -hmm. flesh. And this is really important with children and even children that have not yet made a profession of faith um, to Christ. I just want to say, like, God's already chosen them because he put them in your midst. Like, I am a strong believer in the the fact that we love Jesus mm -hmm. and God gave us these children. I'm going to see them according to the Spirit. And I'm going to believe really that God has called them. And when I see them that way, it just sort of strips all the fear out. And you're like, no, the Lord has this, you know. But anyway, as a group, you can pick a member and... Everybody can just kind of quiet themselves, kind of like the prophecy for the 15 minutes of fame and just like share what is true about that person. And you can ask God, is there any lies I'm believing about this person? What is the truth? And then ask God how he feels about them. And I just feel like relationally, it's really hard not to fall in love with somebody when you get God's, God's heart and God's eyes for them. So then the generational divide just kind of 
goes fizzles away. away. Yep. Um, so again, you can do that as a group or just in your own personal quiet time. Go through each member of the body of Christ and ask Jesus those questions. Is there any lie I'm believing about them? Sometimes you might want to ask, is there anything I need to forgive? Mm-hmm. You know, because things happen. Um, what truth do you want me to know? And Jesus, how do you feel about this person? So it's very powerful. All right. Till next time. Mm-hmm.